0: or on our website, in online.org
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tap, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. On Money Talks, we're looking for your personal finance questions. But today, we're also talking about wills and estate planning. Our guest is attorney Richard Courtney of Courtney Elder Law Associates. So we'll talk this hour about the importance of estate planning, how to create a will, and trusts. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. If you have a personal finance question or a question about estate planning or a will, you can give us a call this morning. The phone lines are open. So. um, Good morning, uh, Nancy. Let's uh, start with you. What, uh, what have you been noticing in financial news this week?
2: Good morning, Kevin. Well, I'm always paying attention to what people are buying or not buying. And uh, we had just a few years ago with uh, coming out of the pandemic, such a a jam in our automakers and it was hard to find cars well people are still buying cars and general motors just announced that they are increasing their earnings projections because they're selling a lot of cars and not just any kind of cars luxury cars so for a certain segment of the population they are still doing well and still buying those luxury goods
1: interesting any speculation as to why the luxury cars are doing so well
2: Well, we're starting to see people being more crunched on the lower end, mainly because of rising prices, inflation. So even though our incomes have been going up, in many cases, they're not keeping up with rising prices. But for that segment of the population at the top, they're not even noticing that.
3: So, Ryder, what caught your eye this week? So, always an interesting story in finance going on. Uh, speaking of what things people are buying, they're not buying enough things from Bed, Bath & Beyond, mm. which <laughs> if anyone had been to Bed, Bath & Beyond uh, in the past few years, you would see you probably didn't find a whole lot that you loved there. You probably got a 20% off coupon in the mail every <laughs> few days, and you couldn't find anything you really wanted even with that discount. Well, they are; they've declared bankruptcy. They're going to liquidate. They're going to sell everything. They're just—it's just—it's just over for Bed Bath and Beyond. So, uh, you know, if you're going to miss it, go ahead, grab that, uh, grab those towels now. Um, I've been in financial trouble for quite some time. Uh, they had had some turnover at the top, some strategies that didn't work out over the past few years, and really in the past really in the past couple of years, but really this year, in January, they did some sort of, uh, um, I want to call it emergency financing. It was a, a deal with a, a large investor. They gave them significant, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to try to continue as a as an ongoing operation Uh, that didn't work apparently uh, and they were considering bankruptcy as early as January so there's a lot of issues going on and no doubt there's going to be some lawsuits but it's been an interesting story developing and uh, this is This is the culmination of it, Bed Bath and Beyond. I I don't know if they're still going to honor those twenty percent coupons. So just just grab all of them that you can and and run down there today.
4: And I didn't know that they had also had a store called Bye Bye Baby. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. So that
3: yeah, and and that's a that was um, I know mentioned in one article as one of the things they are one of the few things they have of value because selling um, as as someone who buys a lot of baby products right now, uh, selling baby products is it's a pretty. Good business. Uh, you can you can always mark things up just a little bit more when you're selling to parents who are desperate for the next size onesie. Um, so yes, that and is that is one of the properties they're trying to sell.
2: And know that we've had Frank Coxwell on several times talking about bankruptcy, mostly mm-hmm. personal bankruptcy, but on the corporate
5: side there are
2: bankruptcy options. And so you'll often hear about a chapter 13, which is reorganization. So the company still stays in business and they make deals with their, uh, debt holders and go their way. This is Chapter 11, which is liquidation. So the stores are closing. Mm -hmm. So Ryder, even though you may not find something you like, there are going to be deals to be had. They're going to be selling
3: everything to the wall. They'll be selling the shelves, the the light bulbs. They'll sell the the bathroom doors. I hope they don't sell those too early. Um, But then whatever doesn't sell, that's what – there's a couple of these kind of liquidation stores. uh, quad Variety, I want to say uh, Tuesday morning, Hutchins, salvation. A dirt cheap, those sort of stores, they will just buy up all Mm -hmm. the inventory. So, you know, Bed Bath and Beyond on their last day when they finish trying to sell everything, they'll just call one of them up and say, "Hey, come buy everything in this warehouse. We'll sell it to you for like ten bucks." And they'll load up, and that's how that's how that sort of store gets a lot of their inventory is from a closure like that. So two things. Uh, first of all, is
1: that Bye Bye Baby, B-U-Y or B-Y-E? Yeah, B-U-Y, definitely. <laughs> B-U-Y. It's definitely out. <laughs> yeah. It's purchase, purchase, infant. Uh, <laughs> Good marketing strategy. Yeah. My other thought is, is a st- store maybe that had too much, because that's the thing, was Bud, Bed Bath & Beyond where you go to get a blender? Was it where you went to get a, a, a blanket or yeah. pillows? I wonder Every if maybe day. they spread themselves
3: out too much maybe? Maybe you know when I had been there it, it, when i when I first was living on my own by my own house i mean they were they were critical for me loading up on all the basics. I needed a set of towels, a set of sheets uh, a blender some things for my kitchen all at once there's one store to go to for all that where I can get it all today It's very convenient, but it um for me, it wasn't a place where I'd keep going back when I need to replace just one or two things. I could maybe move to something a little bit. They're great covering all the basics, but maybe, like you said, yeah, spread a little too thin. And uh, again, it. Not everybody's shopping for the entire house at once.
4: Well, I heard that they missed the online shopping boat. They weren't Uh, as robust and as sophisticated in that as other
3: places. That's been a killer for uh, for years for retail.
2: And it just points out the changes that have come about. I mean, we were already changing the way we were shopping but the pandemic really accelerated all of that so we have moved more to online models and if you go into stores these days if they're not the big box stores you don't see a lot on the shelves because they're just thinking you're just there browsing and then you'll go home and order it online it'll ship to your house
1: one more quick observation before we get into things i'm going to visit some friends of mine in california this summer as i try to take that trip each summer it's a fun fun trip to do and so flew united last year so, I had $100 fly, a $100 flight voucher because my luggage was delayed. Nice. So, I went and uh, paid, I think, $600 maybe last year. It's $1,200 was where we were looking wow. at tickets. So, I thought, wow. Goodness. Well, then I went to another airline, American, and it was a little bit cheaper. But then I didn't realize the day that you take off and the day that you, you know, that your travel dates make so much difference in yeah. the cost of the yeah. ticket. So I'm leaving on a Sunday, getting back on a Friday, and was able to get it down to about, I think, about $550. So that was a, a little education for me. So if That's you're significant savings planning on uh, flying somewhere, if you can be a, um, you know, a, uh, flexible with the departure dates, it can certainly save you a lot of money. All right, before our first break, we have a caller on the line. So let's say good morning to Mike, who calls us from Hernando. Go ahead, Mike, you're on the air with us.
0: Good morning, you guys. A question, please. I'm retired. I'm on uh, fixed income, and I need to create a will, and I was wondering if you guys could advise me are there any online generic wills that are available I could download and just fill in all the blanks?
3: Ooh, uh, Rick Courtney is grimacing over here. <laughs> um, that, that is a, I, I think we know his opinion here. That, uh, Mike, that, that is a,
4: a sort of a dangerous thing. We have uh, fixed a lot of online wills before people don't understand some of the decisions that need to go into the will to meet your particular goals. Uh, trying to figure that out if you haven't had some background or experience in the law about wills and the fiduciary responsibilities of executors and that sort of thing is is, is you know kind of a, an opportunity for some problems and confusion down the road. Uh, it would be best uh-huh. if you talk to somebody who's a good estate planning attorney who can ask you the questions. I've got a coffee mug on the side table in my conference room. It says, please do not confuse your Google search with my law degree. <laughs> and so folks nice. will, you know, I, I don't say that lightly too much, but uh, it is dangerous to try to do your own will. There are those things that are advertised on TV, you know, wills and trust or uh, Zoom legal, yep. those sorts of things. We have counsel with clients who came in. They had done the will like that. They said, is this okay? I tell them, I'm not going to vouch for a will I did not prepare. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to talk to the client and make sure I understand what their objectives are and who the other people involved are. Then I can give them good advice about what needs to go in it. But
0: So the, the the reason I asked is I have no investments. I live very simply. I just made money. And I have a a minuscule bank account. I mean, I'm an extremely simple person. Mm -hmm. I don't have investments. I don't have funds. uh, I don't have stocks, bonds, none of that. And I was looking for, you know, just an easy out to leave everything to uh, a family member. And I I thought there might be a, a convenient way to do it without getting into the... The, the depths of legality and the problems that it could ensue. And I understand that. i got a buddy who's a lawyer.
4: So let me respond to that. We, where there are, quote, extremely simple situations, we might suggest you talk to your financial planner because some of those things you want to do, leaving assets to someone as simply as possible, may involve just beneficiary designations on the accounts uh-huh. that you have, like an IRA or a bank account. You can go to a bank and tell them, I want to name this person or these people as beneficiaries on my checking account, savings account, CDs, money markets, bank accounts, can do what is called pay-on-death, payable-on-death designations. You can Uh name your beneficiaries. That way, at your death, those beneficiaries show up with your death certificate and their identification at the bank, and the bank just gives them the money without a will, Uh without a probate. Uh, for investment accounts, at like Edward Jones, Raymond James, Morgan Stanley, those places, it would be TOD, transfer on death. But it's the same thing. You can name beneficiaries on bank accounts just like you can name beneficiaries on life insurance or on a retirement plan. Uh-huh.
3: I think that's oh, a, great. Okay. I think that's a great point point there about there are ways that, and there are some assets which I know you, you mentioned you, know, you, you don't have a whole <laughs> lot of accounts out there you have a simple situation, but even for folks who do have some sizable accounts, there are ways that they can be left directly to somebody outside of, outside of a will and obviously you're not going to vouch for an online will, but it seems that sometimes maybe getting to a lawyer or the cost of you know of a very good will might be a little yeah. prohibitive for someone in a just a low income low asset situation and and if they can do those other things which are you know, legally as, as nice and tight as, the, as that might be a good option for them.
4: Yeah, those non-probate strategies that are available as part of estate planning. One other thing I'll mention is consider who you're leaving assets to. If it is a young person under 21 and you name them as a beneficiary, if you die before they're 21, it's going to go into a court-supervised guardian conservatorship account. and and the court's going to have to supervise that money, and it'll take lawyers to get money out for things like schooling. Whereas if with a will, you could leave assets to a trust for that person until they're 21 or 25, that way it would not get tied up in a court until they're 21. So there are other considerations about the people that would be the objects of your uh, generosity,
3: And I know there are some on beneficiary designations I've seen. If it is a minor being designated, you can also designate a guardian at the same time Mm -hmm. for that. I guess it would just apply to that specific asset. Yeah.
2: And, Rick, you had mentioned to me one time that we can now do uh, TODs on real estate on a house.
4: That's right. There is a transfer on death deed in Mississippi now where I can name beneficiaries, or my wife and I, if we own our home jointly, we can do a deed now that says we hereby designate our two daughters as beneficiaries to receive this real property, our home or some other land, at our deaths. And we name them, and we can even say in that deed, if one of them is deceased, her share would then go to another person, their children, an alternate beneficiary. That doesn't just take away the need for probate at our deaths, but it does say we have already said who's going to own this property when we die, and we still own it. And they're not on the deed with us to have to sign off on something, so we can still sell the property if we want to. Uh, It's still subject to our creditors. They can't
3: kick you out. That's right.
4: They can't (laughs) kick us out. (laughs) If they try, then we take them off the deed. (laughs) So
1: You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher janderson president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are available to answer your personal finance questions, but also today we're talking about estate planning and wills with our guest attorney, Richard Courtney. In fact, we do have a couple of callers on the line, so let's go to Byram. Kevin has called in first. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on the air with us.
0: Good morning. How you doing?
1: Good. What do you have for us?
0: Yeah, I got a question. Uh, I'm a truck driver, 42 years old. I called him before, Mm -hmm.
1: and
0: uh, I was wondering if I I have a pretty good amount of money saved up, house paid off, and I want to leave... Thirty percent of my money, my will. I want the the will. I do thirty percent to my mom, thirty percent to my wife, and forty percent to the St. Jude Children's Foundation in Memphis, Tennessee. Is that a good thing to do? I
4: I hang up and listen, Albert. Well, yes, it's a good thing to do if that is what your desires are. I mean, to favor your mom or favor your wife and that charity. That's you know certainly if that's where you want your money to go. That's a good way to have it is through a will where that can be carried out at your death. Um, and so, yeah, if if that's who you want to have it, that's fine. Just Now, one thing you might want to think about if you didn't already in your will is, what if your mom passes away before you do, or your wife passes away before you do? Does your will say where that share is going to go then? Because— If it doesn't, then there could be some confusion about who is going to get that portion of your estate. Uh, Wills need to be as clear as possible about here's where my assets will go at my death. That's all a will is. It's written instructions about who gets my stuff when I die. That's it. That's a will. But it needs to say, if this person passes away before I do, where does that share go? So I don't know what your will says. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, Rick, one of the things that I hear from clients all the time and they talk about uh, putting a charity in their wills, sometimes they want to put in a certain dollar amount. And, you know, we don't know how much you're going to have when mm. you leave this earth. And so that becomes an issue of how do you handle that so that you make sure that your primary beneficiaries are taken care of first and then it can flow through? How do you do that?
4: Well, percentages is a way to do that, Nancy, Um, saying I want to leave this percent of what I have. Because, again, like you say, I don't know how much money I will have at my death. As we are living longer, we're counseling with more and more clients who are using their resources up more by the time of their death Mm -hmm. than they might have thought. So uh, having percentages. Another thing is in a will – You can leave specific bequests or specific gifts to someone, and then the rest is called the residuary, the remainder of your assets go. If you leave $50,000 to St. Jude's, for instance, as a specific bequest, it does not matter how much other assets you have. That is going to go first. Those specific Uh, bequests are going to go first, and then the rest is split up, as you say, the remainder of my estate goes to these people. So if I've spent my estate down to $100,000, and I want my wife, my my mother, and St. Jude's to all get a third, if I left St. Jude $50,000 as a specific, they're going to get the first 50, and the other 50 gets split between my, my my mom and my wife. So knowing how those things go through a will is important, too.
3: So one thing I like about Kevin's call is, Kevin, is this your alter ego down there who called in? Uh, one thing I like about his call is one, he's done a good job saving. He's paid off his house. He's done a lot well financially. And he's also been thinking about his estate plan. Clearly he has a good idea. What's important to him, where he wants his money to go. One thing I, I think is important to consider as well, especially he's put his mother on there is what, does the support you want to give those specific people look like so for instance he may be an only child and we're kind of speculating about kevin but talking about general situations if you're maybe an only child and you're like well i'm the one who's going to have to take care of my mother of course i'm a truck driver i'm on the road i want to have a will so that's in place if i die because you know it's it's a dangerous profession but Think about what that care looks like. And so in the future, when maybe you're not driving as much, maybe you're much better, uh, you're just at home more and you're able to actually physically take care of her. Do you still want to have that 30% or are you just committing you know, for yourself to give her the support, uh, help pay for a nursing home, whatever your mother may need? Uh, with your wife, uh, if you have children, that's an important consideration uh, if she dies, do the children get it, or are they just kind of neglected in the world? What happens there? What does the support that she is getting look like? And then you talked about the specific gifts. You know, is there some level of giving you're trying to hit at St. Jude to you know, get your name on something, uh, or or give to a specific? Uh, a specific uh, project that they have and that happens a lot maybe maybe you give to your to your high school or your college and you want to do a, a scholarship or something while saying, okay, 40% of my money will do it. That will be great. Again, if it ends up lower and it's really important for you to uh, support that specific project, you might want to do a specific dollar amount. But, of course, Mm -hmm. if it ends up way higher, if you end up with 10 times the money you thought you were (laughs) going to have, well, maybe it's not as important to give them so much. So making sure that not only he's done the work of figuring out what is important? What do I want to see? Where do I want my money to go when I die? But figuring out exactly what that really looks like, regardless of what his estate looks like, is important as and well.
2: This brings up this idea, too, that a will is not set in stone. And so um, life changes. And it is important once you. Do that will you regularly need to go back and review that? And Rick, you may have some guidelines for how often you should do that. But certainly, um, if you've lived a long time, then what you, how you want to handle your money when it, when you do pass, could change through that time, and so you can change your will.
4: Yeah, that's right. And uh, I tell clients you should check back on your will, look back at it every couple of years and particularly when things happen with those people that are involved in it. Is there a death? Is there a divorce? Is there a disability? Those things change relationships and could change who you want to be, the executor of the will. It could change how you leave assets. Ryder, you mentioned the word nursing home a minute ago, so I'm going to switch over and put my elder law cap on. If I want to leave money to my mom or even to my spouse – if my mom has some dementia beginning or some incapacitating mm. condition that's begun to happen, do I leave her thirty percent of my estate outright? Well, if I yeah, do, just that's cut her, her bit money, check, right? Yeah, that's she just gets a chunk of money at my death. Guess what? That's countable assets by Medicaid, so she can't get Medicaid care in a nursing home until she has less than four thousand dollars. So she's got to spend all that money down, but. In my will, I can say, at my death, I leave thirty percent or whatever amount to to a trust for the benefit of my mom or my spouse we 're counseling a lot of clients, couples where one already has a you know a dementia condition or some other disabling condition. I leave it to a trust for that person that way it 's not counted as their money it 's there f- for their benefit to be managed by someone else." but then they could get Medicaid help to pay for other nursing home care that sort of thing. So trust in a will can be very helpful
3: and, and I know that that uh, sort of trust is a, is a kind of has some specific requirements we might have time for later but what you're saying especially if you in your will are, are including folks well your age or older potentially it's not just your estate planning that matters here it's also their estate planning. What does their estate look like is giving them a large gift going to mean they don't qualify for uh, some public benefits, perhaps, uh, or is, that, what, what is what change is that going to bring about in their life that you need to consider when you're making your will? I have identical I'm sorry, tw- we're not making it simpler for our friend Kevin, are we? <laughs> we're just giving
4: scenarios. I have identical twin daughters. They're 44 years old. One is married, and has boys in high school. The other daughter has cerebral palsy. She's a wheelchair user and lives with us at home. She has some Medicaid benefits. We do not treat them equally in the will. We can leave assets outright to our non-disabled daughter. We leave assets. And, and let's be
3: clear. He loves his daughters equally. That's okay, right. That's, <laughs> anybody listening, anybody, if I, I don't want to hear it. He loves them equally.
4: But Yeah, but the way we deal with the assets for each one of them is different. So.
1: And Rick, I think you're demonstrating why uh, an attorney is important in this process, because your job is to listen to the client and then specifically help them get the specifics of what exactly they- is they need. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Good morning. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher janderson president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate, in, uh, uh, certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Today, we are visiting with our guest. It's Richard Courtney. Uh, He's an elder law attorney and also our expert for the day about estate planning and wills. And as uh, mentioned uh, before the break, we're going to go right to the phone lines. Hunter has been hanging on for us from Gulfport. Hunter, you're on the air with us now. Go ahead, please.
0: Hey, good morning. I have uh, four young children and minimal assets. So they're going to be quite some time before they are 21 years old. And uh, I was wondering, is there a minimum amount needed to set up a trust fund? And part B to that question, do I need to set up an individual trust fund for each of the four children, or can there be one to take care of them as a group until they're 21?
4: From the lawyer's perspective on estate planning, uh, not the investment advisor's (laughs) perspective on how you fund four children, congratulations and uh, good luck. Um, No, there's, there's no minimum age before you'd set up a trust. You can have a will that says, at my death, whatever I have, goes into trust for these children, equal shares, whatever you want to do and uh, that trust would be there as the holding vessel for money. Then if you have a life insurance policy, if you're able to get a small or medium-sized life insurance policy pretty soon, that could fund those trusts after your death. So the will would set the trusts up. They become like empty buckets for each of your children. And then the money that you fund into them through your will, your estate assets, or life insurance could go into that. But you're just setting up the structure for that in the will, and it doesn't matter if they're still young. If you don't have the assets yet, you can set that
3: up. I I think that's a a good point you made about life insurance. You know, you are a a father of four young children. Uh, Even if you're not the primary breadwinner or the only breadwinner, it's still going to be important to have some sort of life insurance coverage. You mentioned minimal assets. So if you died today, there would be very little to, to raise them uh, through uh, through childhood and through college and, and what have you. So life insurance would be a very good idea. And then another thing that you had mentioned earlier, Rick, is designating a guardian or knowing who's going to be in charge of that money because you you don't want it to end up in the hands of, of the court if, if, if there is somebody, especially if there's somebody maybe not related to you who you think would be the best person. And this can happen, obviously, if you have a spouse, if the, the, the mother of the children might be a great idea uh, in situations where, yeah, you know, maybe blended families or or the your spouse predeceased you. Then you you're going to want to make sure that is taken care of, and you want to anticipate. You want your your will and your designation of that guardian to anticipate the fact that that other person may not be there. And, and so that those are some things that you might want to make sure. Those are some things to think about, uh, certainly regardless of the structure that you end up putting your money in. But, but that, doing a trust in the will uh, makes a lot of sense in that case.
2: And life insurance is really income insurance, and so right. Hunter's situation is perfect for that. And most people think they should have life insurance forever. But you need it when you're younger, when you don't have a lot of assets, and when you have these children who are depending on you, other people who are depending on you, then you need a policy to replace your income if you are deceased. Mm -hmm. And we usually recommend term policies, and that's a certain period of time. So that carry you through to the point where you get all of those four children into adulthood and they're right. not dependent on you, hopefully, any longer. And the goal would be with life insurance that you start to build up your own assets so you don't really have to depend on an insurance policy to replace that.
1: All right, Hunter, we appreciate your call this morning. Let's us uh, stay on the phone lines. We'll move next to South Haven. John has waited for his turn. John, go ahead. You're on the air.
0: Okay, thank you. And thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a question about pay on death and joint ownership. Let me explain. Uh, Say Mary has $350,000 in CDs at one bank. Two of the CDs are in joint ownership, $100,000 each, with Mary and two other people. $150,000 at the bank in CDs Is in Mary's name with pay on death to two different people. Now, is Mary covered, even though she has $350,000 at this bank, is FDIC insurance cover all of her money?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so as far as the FDIC insurance, she's good to go there, and it's a little complicated. And I believe on the FDIC website, they have a very good uh, calculator. I've actually was talking with a banker the other day who just says, "Yeah, I, I just log onto the FDIC website and use their calculator every time we want to figure this out for a client," and that means that different types of accounts. Are covered and including if an account has a different beneficiary. So yes, the and the limit is uh, two hundred and fifty thousand for per per account per account like per account type per institution. So yes, the TOD one would be set all covered, and then the jointly owned one would be all covered. Now the legal treatment of those, we we got some dramatic differences there. You know, consider of course the jointly owned account is also owned by those other people. They can they can take that money. It's 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 their money, too. So that's the thing I want to caution people a lot about. Uh, a lot of times people will jointly title something just as a way of giving it to their children. You have to consider all of the implications of that. It is their money at that point. And I'm going to hand it over to Rick.
0: Okay, I have one more issue Uh-oh. now you mentioned that. The joint accounts that have two, Mary and another person's name on it, Let's say the other person has a uh liability, an accident of some sort, and gets sued in court. Is that money subject to be uh taken
4: from Yes. The- I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but the answer is yes. Because my mother put me as a joint owner on her checking account. She's in a memory care facility, and so I pay her bills and things. But she trusted me that I wouldn't go take her money out and go to, you know, the Bahamas with it. Um, But it is my money. If I get sued, my creditors can get a judgment against me and garnish her bank account to collect my debt because I also own Mm -hmm. that money.
0: Good to know. Thank you. That uh, that answers both my questions.
3: All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, and, and with those structures, we often want to think what what is what is the real nature of this asset. Sometimes you yeah. do have money that you jointly own with your siblings or your children or, or uh, just a random person, I guess. Maybe maybe you both paid for a lottery ticket and you want it. And you, you want to put it in a joint account. That's great. Whatever. Uh, maybe you should actually split that. That makes a lot more sense. Um, But sometimes there is a a real purpose to jointly owning something. But a lot of times that payable on death, the transfer on death accounts, that is really often what people are truly thinking of when they're like, oh, I want to make sure this person has easy access to it when I die. Um, That's a a very important consideration right there. The liability had not considered that either.
1: This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Staying on the phone lines, next off to Greenwood we go. Deborah has called in. Good morning. You're on the air with us, so go ahead.
5: Yes. Um, my question would be, say you have a trust, and then you acquire more or uh, new new real property. Do you, uh, when you go to an attorney and they make the deed, do you just by naming that that's, I wanted to go in my trust, as opposed to saying, put that deed in my individual name. How, how, do, how does that work with regard to when you acquire new property that you want to place in a trust?
4: Good question, Deborah. That's when uh, folks set track, up. A, thanks for De, Deborah, uh, okay. Um, people will set up a trust. And then I tell them, it's good to have it set up, but you need to fund it. So how do you get assets into a trust so that the trust owns them? In the situation you mentioned, you would have the deed deeded to, for instance, in my case, to the Rick Courtney revocable trust. If I have set up a trust, uh, then I need to have that property deeded so that the grantee on the deed is to the Rick Courtney revocable trust. That way my trust would own that property. If the property is deeded just to Rick Courtney, it's not in my trust. And at my death, it would go through a probate uh, to pass to heirs or through my will. But if I want it in my trust, it needs to be deeded into the trust name. So
5: when you when you have, uh, when the attorney, you take that that to an attorney to process this deed for you. And I say it's like I'm looking to get a clear title on a, on a property that I own, but I want that to be put into a trust as opposed to just being put into my name.
4: Well, so if, is that
5: the attorney to take care of that?
4: Yes. If you already have the trust set up, then the attorney that's handling the closing of the sale of the property would have the deed pr- from the other owner done to
3: your trust name. Mm-hmm. And, and you would then, the trustee would be the one signing to receive the property. And again, if it was your own, your, your Rick Courtney uh, revocable trust, you're probably the trustee of that. So yes. you would be the one signing on your own revocable trust. Well, yeah.
4: And I would not have to sign the deed from the other owner. The other owner signs the deed conveying the property to my trust. Mm-hmm. So it would go to the uh, Rick Courtney Trust. Then I own it, and I could sell it later or deed it away by signing as trustee. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Uh, Thank Deborah. thanks for your call from Greenwood. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with our guest. It's elder law attorney Richard Courtney. Uh, Rick is also helping us uh, figure out your questions about wills and estate planning and that sort of thing. And we have another caller on the line. So let's go to Gloucester. Jackson has called in today. Good morning, Jackson. You're on the air with us. So go ahead.
0: Yes, sir. Good morning.
1: Morning. Good morning.
0: What, What I would like to know is this. I have property here in Mississippi, but I live in Los Angeles. And my kids don't want to come to Mississippi to handle it. And it's quite a bit of property. And I want to know how to protect it for them. I have a wife, too, but she's not interested in it. So how do I handle that?
4: Well, you live in California, as I understand it, right? Yes. All right. Well, in California, I know their probate costs are very, very high, so most people use a revocable trust as their estate planning tool in California. But here, uh, in your estate plan... You may want to consider a trust to own that property because when someone is – if say they live in Mississippi and they're doing a will – I ask them, do you own property in another state? Yes, I own a a farm that was our family farm in Tennessee, and I own a condo in Orange Beach, Alabama, and I've got my house here. I said, well, you should consider using a trust for your overall estate plan, not just a will, but a trust, because you could deed the ownership of those properties in all those states into your trust, and you would avoid having a probate in all three states, so it can... significantly save costs to use a trust to own property in another state. So if you are doing an estate plan in California, you would consider having the trust, your property here, deed that into your trust. So now your trust owns it, and at your death, the trust would say how you want it to be disposed of, either distributed to your kids, or it sounds like you may be thinking of having it sold- here and the trustee could just sell it here, get the money in the trust and then distribute the money.
3: And and this is another thing where kind of thinking about who you're giving it to and what they will want out of it might make a lot of sense. I mean, if your children truly, they, they don't, and you mentioned it's a significant property, um, if they truly aren't going to want to deal with it, your wife's not going to want to deal with it. You certainly, I mean, unless you just want to be rude to them you don't want to put in a trust that says oh you can never sell this and you have to pass it on to your grandchildren etc etc uh and as well it may come to a point where part of your estate plan is just selling that property yourself um of course, if they inherit it, if it's something you've owned for a long time, then you may have a low cost basis in it and selling it yourself would have a lot of taxes. So that's something to consider. And of course, if you passed it on, they would get a stepped up cost basis, which is a benefit, which would mean they basically they just have fewer, if any, taxes to pay. But it's a, it's good to consider what are they going to want to do with it? What are they going to want out of it? And, and, and anticipating that in the trust and writing that in such a way that not only takes care of the property, takes care of the the legal issues, uh, conveys the property as you wish, but also conveys it as they wish.
1: All right, Doug Jackson, we appreciate your phone call. Let's see if we can wrap things up with two final calls, and we'll start again in Tunica. Tom has called in today. Go ahead, Tom. You're on the air with us.
0: Yes. Um, My concern is that I have a wheel, but it's been old. Uh, I would say about 20 years old or so, and I want to update it. But I'm trying to find uh, an attorney or um, elder law. But most of people now begin to specialize in it, and it's sort of hard to find one. But I need to upgrade it, and, um, and I've added more stuff, you know, brought up and everything, new vehicles, uh, expanded my home and so forth. But just want to know how how can I go about doing that.
4: Well, one way to find an attorney that is – Adept at uh, estate planning and wills is to ask friends and professionals that you know, uh, financial planners like Ryder. I would ask him, you know, who have you dealt with before that you thought did a good job uh, for your clients, uh, an attorney that drafted good documents and things? That's one way. You can look on uh, some professional organizations, the ACTEC, American College of Trust and Estate Council. Uh, acttech.org is one uh, professional organization you might look and find an attorney in the area near you. I know there's a a member in Mississippi up in Oxford, uh maybe someone closer to you even than that. So those folks I would vouch for their abilities quickly, you know, because I know they're they're capable and they've uh, shown their expertise. Um if you if you want to, I mean I I'm on listservs and if you want to email me, uh, you can get my email address at elderlawms.com. It's Rick, R-I-C-K, at com. That's my email address. If you email me, I can throw an inquiry out there about attorneys in your area, if I know where you are, and then I can see who responds and maybe send you a name or two that you might contact. But uh, if that helps. All right, uh, Tom?
1: That's good. And
4: rick, if you would just repeat that email address one more time for us. My email is Rick R I C K at Elderlaw dot com. All right, got about two minutes
1: left and one call to go, so we've wrapped things up in Brandon, Wayne on the line. Good morning, Wayne. Go ahead.
0: Good morning, how are y'all? Doing Hi. good. I would like I'd like to know on the life insurance um and, and wills, would you uh say that once you've gotten um your investments that you're not living on and paid for real estate uh paid for real property um would you drop the insurance uh if the people that you have as your beneficiaries aren't necessarily in a position where they need it
1: any thoughts nancy
2: um well probably uh it just depends on do you still have people who are dependent on you um, if something happened to you, will all of those investments still supply them with what they need? But that usually is the goal, is to have that life insurance when you don't have the assets to cover the replacement of the income, but to build those assets through your lifetime, and at some point, you will no longer need life insurance. Now, you, you do need to just sit down and think about every possibility And for some families, they have people um, who are always going to be dependent on them. And so for that reason, they may want to maintain a policy, and a whole life policy would fit them better. But for most people, young children have that term policy, and at some point you age out of that, you build up assets, and you no longer need life insurance.
1: All right, Wayne, we appreciate your call. That's right about ready to wrap us up. Just a reminder that if you want to hear something discussed, a particular personal finance topic, you can always email our show money at mpbonline.org and we'll see what we can do. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks. And our podcast producer is Jermaine Flood. And the call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter Janerson, Ryder Taft, and our guest Rick Courtney, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Tuesdays at nine for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.
2: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.